Okay, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Podcast SG Fun, a Stargate podcast where two guys talk about Stargate. So we still don't have that intro nailed down just yet. No, not quite. No, no. Yeah. What's, what, what's your name? My name is Chris. Hey, and I'm Kel. It's Kel. Did you know that you were Kel? Because I didn't know that you were Kel until this I'm second. fully aware, but, you know, just in case. <sighs> this is going to be Reasons. one of those episodes, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Kel? I'm doing good, man. Um, I, You know, you may have already kind of heard a little bit of it, but my allergies are, are, are definitely bugging me. Uh, there's been some construction in the office. Oh. I'm not saying that's what was kicking it up, but uh, sure feels like it. Oh. Kind of odd and fitting that uh, <laughs> this episode seems to relate to that very much, which I, f- I found kind of surprising since I did watch it today during lunch. Oh, I see. So <laughs> anyway, it's a good one, man. I-, I-, I did enjoy this episode. So this is season one, episode four. Is it episode four or five? I'm going to, we're going to squash this right now. Hold on. I, I think we've determined that we go by whatever Amazon says. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'm going to have to rename all my episodes. Because that's the way I watch them. But <laughs> I guess we could go ahead and say this is episode four or episode five. <laughs> I say episode five. I'm just going to say episode five. The Broca Divide. The Broca Divide. Yeah. So we kick things off with uh, everyone sitting around the briefing table. Hammond is up talking. He basically goes into saying how they think they have figured out the place where Apophis escaped to whenever he ran away from Chulak. And they mm. believe they've, you know, narrowed it down. And that is planet P3X797. Um, that's where they are going to be going in this next mission. Now, <laughs> the kind of first thing that strikes you in this episode, Chris, I don't know if you caught it. I, I certainly did. I mean, it was, well, I'm sure we all caught it. It was very much intentional. But was that look that that one Marine was given to Teal'c? I didn't see that, I don't think. I'm, uh, I'm scrubbing through right now. It's just a couple of frames. They just go over to him real quick, and there's like a little music sting. But one of the Marines in this briefing room just gives Teal'c this real kind of like weird stare. They just kind of look at each other for a second. And there's a little music sting, and then we, we cut away from it. But going on talking about P3X797, they say that they've sent a probe through the Stargate to go check the place out. Jack's like, okay, great. I, I want to see the video playback, see what we're dealing with. And Hammond, and it's almost like he's kind of hiding it, right? Like he's almost like he doesn't want to say this part. Yeah, I actually put down in my notes that he is acting coy. He is, like, suspiciously so about this mission. Very, 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 very mysterious. Goes on to tell Jack at that point that he's like, well, you know, there's no video playback. Sorry. (laughs) And Jack's like, well, what do you mean there's no video playback? Uh, Doesn't the thing have cameras on it? They're like, yeah, but it it was dark. We couldn't see anything. And we're pretty sure that someone broke them. (laughs) What's funny is this is the first episode in which non, as far as I'm aware, non-Air Force military operatives are in the room because these are Marines. SG-3 is a Marine team. 
Which I didn't realize. I mean, I knew there was going to be, you know, SG1, of course, and then SG2, which was supposed to be Kowalski's team, RIP. Yeah. I knew of those teams, but this is, I believe, the first time I'm actually hearing of SG3. And then surprised to find out that it was not, in fact, an, an Air Force team. It was a Marine team. Also in this section, Hammond just fucking spells out M-A-L-P and then says probe. <laughs> I don't know about you, but one of my biggest pet peeves when people say things like pin number. ATM machine. (sighs) But yeah. um, (laughs) And they also explain the naming convention for the planets, which I thought was pretty neat. I mean, I knew, but I guess I had just completely forgotten that they name it after an algorithm. Yeah, it's basically what the computer assigns it based on some algorithm they've cooked into it. I have to say, I totally and wholeheartedly agree with Daniel Jackson in this situation. I understand giving them the designations, great, but at least some of the important ones need some actual names. Yeah, like Bob. Something. Just come up with something. I mean, you know, start at the rest of the uh, Greek and Roman gods and work your way up. Chulak? Chulak? Chulik, right? That's one of them. Yeah, Chulak, that was the one that they were that they went and fought, you know, fucked around with Apophis on. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, like, that has a name. Why doesn't anything else have a name? Well, I mean, I guess because it was already called Chulak. That's fair. I mean, isn't this planet already called something? (laughs) (laughs) It has to. So they got they should just call it that. I guess it just saves the writers from having to come up with new planet names every goddamn week. No, that's fair. I'm not mad at him for that. <laughs> so, We're dwelling a little too much on this. Yeah, we yeah. really need to move on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So anyway, we cut to the team going on this mission. They have no idea what they're walking into, but they're going in with SG-3, a group of Marines. Jack is making a point to make sure that the SG-1 team goes in first before the Marines. And he tells Daniel because he wants to make sure, you know, if they do find Apophis, they find Scar, they find Daniel's wife. What's her name again? Sharae. Sharae. If they find Sharae, they don't want the Marines to be the first ones there and start blasting them. Yeah, for sure. He wants to go in first. So they do that. And that was maybe a bad idea. <laughs> that well, that was maybe something they shouldn't have done. I don't think it was a bad idea. But again, Kel, I'm no military expert. But what I do know is that if I walk into an area that's completely dark... The last thing I do is make myself completely vulnerable to all sides. <laughs> Just being right out in the open. Yeah. When you walk into a room where you can't find the lights, do you just walk into the middle of the room? Or do you maybe fiddle around looking for like a light switch or, you know, maybe kind of stay in a group? I don't know. I just I got a lot of problems with this scene, and this is just one of if them. If we're going to talk about that, can we also talk about the fact that <laughs> maybe just is some sloppy writing this episode, but can we talk about the fact that how the reason that they had no idea what was going on on the other side of the portal is because it was too dark for the camera to see. They're wearing night vision goggles. You're telling me there was no sort of infrared or night vision on this state-of-the-art military probe? I think they mention it. I think Jack actually says, like, why didn't the MALP have night goggles? I think he says it. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm glad someone said something yeah. because it, it that one hurt me for a little bit. So, but uh, they got the night, visual go- the night vision goggles on and they can see some movement around them. There's some, some skittering about uh, when suddenly the team gets attacked by a group of cavemen. <laughs> <laughs> I actually also wrote cavemen, but I put they in- are absolutely cavemen. Well, I put it in quotation marks because I didn't see a cave this episode. Okay, yeah, fair. I mean, they did just kind of live openly in the middle of a forest. I mean, I don't. I mean, that's not the scientific term. Primitive 
maybe. Uh, <laughs> but no, I did put cavemen here. So yeah, we're in agreement. For all intents and purposes, cavemen. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, here come the Marines storming in, and they just start popping off rounds. Yeah, I think uh, Homeboy has an M60 machine gun just <laughs> firing that thing off into the air. Like, don't these guys know that bullets eventually come down? Like, <laughs> they, yeah, they, they did not care. The Marines do scare them off. I guess they take one of them out looking, you know, I was watching the scene, taking notes, and I look up and then I see a dead caveman on the ground. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so the, the Marines scare them off. There's a dead caveman. Cut to the intro music. Yeah, it's actually the guy who's about to drop the rock on someone. You can't really tell whose body it is, but he's got this big old heavy rock and he's about to do some work and then he just gets shot up. So RIP that guy. Yeah. So uh, coming back from intro, we come up to uh, a camp. The SG team finds an encampment of these cavemen. Daniel at first thinks they resemble Neanderthals, but he isn't sure. He goes through a lot of different primitive uh, humanoid species, but he's like, I don't know. But then we see all of a sudden uh, one of the cavemen um, attempting to take a mate. Yeah, I was quite uncomfortable with this scene. Yeah, super uncomfortable. (laughs) I think it actually happens. I think she actually gets raped. We just don't see it. Because they have her over, then it cuts like as soon as they're about to do some mounting. (laughs) It was very uncomfortable. I was watching it at lunch yesterday. I had the puppy sitting on my lap and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on (laughs) here? Cover her eyes. You do not need to watch that. (laughs) But then we get a rescue kill. What's that rescue? A bunch of dudes in sheets. I wrote... Rock tossers, exclamation point. <laughs> they were. That, was, that explains them very well. They are sheeted up rock tossers. But yeah, I mean, that's what it looked like. It looked like they're wearing a bunch of bed sheets. The bed sheet peeps show up and start flinging rocks at the cavemen, scare off or, you know, hurt cavemen. And then the SG team goes over and talks to the bed sheet people who immediately think that the SG team are gods. Which is something yeah. that Daniel makes mention of. Like, we we really probably ought to get, start getting used to this. <laughs> I, was, uh, I actually wrote on here that um, best case scenario when running into people in sheets in the woods. <laughs> yeah, uh, honestly. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Mm. As far as that, that scenario can go, that one worked out pretty well. <laughs> so these guys are the untouched yeah, the bedsheet people go by the moniker The Untouched. Uh, and in fact, the cavemen people are referred to as The Touched. These guys are from the Land of Light, which, tell me about the Land of Light, Kill. The sun's visible. Uh, <laughs> I guess I, they never really explain it, right? Like, there's a part of the world that is in the dark, and then basically you cross a very small gradient of area that is lit in the sun. And I don't know if it was just because it was a really super dense forest or if there was some other reason for it, but there was a very clear barrier between a light side and dark side of the area they were in. Yeah. There's some symbolism involved with this and we will talk about it at the end of the episode. And I'm happy to discuss that. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I'm excited. (laughs) The touched, or I'm sorry, the untouched gentleman that the SG team just met, he seems to be some sort of leader. They go back to the city where everyone lives and uh, have a chat. Uh, we come to find out that the touched were once untouched, <laughs> essentially. God, this is going to get real annoying at some point. <laughs> touched and untouched. I, I don't like this. They used bad terms on this one. 
uh, they basically say we believe that the the touched were once normal people that were cursed by the evil gods. So again, we're talking about gods. Everyone's in the room, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's probably the gold. Well, I mean, not necessarily because what they essentially describe is gods of the earth. And then they talk about other gods being ones that could save them. If I remember right, I think they do that. I, I think that's, you're that's right. Yeah, I do say. believe that that's, that's uh, kind of how they, they frame it. So, But of course, you know, the SG team is here on this planet because they believe it's where Apophis escaped to. So when the uh, untouched tell them that they haven't seen the gods in over a generation, the SG team is like, well, okay, well, hmm. And we never really talk about Apophis anymore. <laughs> Apophis basically gets dropped at this point. There was a really cool scene after they first walk in where you have this really interesting shot um, where it kind of pans over, or I guess pans down, whatever kind of panning it would be. It kind of hovers over this girl's body between two bullheads and then sam drops one of the funniest lines in the episode which is i was gonna do my living room like this but it didn't go with my other stuff that is actually a pretty good line i have big lol in quotation marks yeah no i i giggled whenever they did that and that's i mean again one of the best parts about (laughs) stargate was always like the bits of humor that got interjected by the cast yeah you know we saw bits of that in star trek stuff but stargate really took it to another level the only thing that's missing is like one of them looking at the camera like jim from the office yeah the team realized okay well apophis isn't here why the hell are we here and so the team has a little huddle and jack decides it's time to head home of course daniel isn't super happy about this he wants to stick around and study the culture because he believes that these people are evolved from ancient Mayoans and he wants to study their culture. And, you know, uh, Jack's like, no, we're heading home. This, this is a bit of a whiny Daniel episode in parts. I got a question. Yeah. Who do you agree with? Well, honestly, I mostly agree with Jack in this particular scenario. In fact, I think this whole thing plays out correctly, honestly. And I really do think that Daniel was being kind of a whiny brat about this. You know, hey, our main mission was to come here and see if we could locate Apophis. He's not here. We need to go. I understand Jack's point that the whole reason why they were there is for Apophis, but that's not the reason why the SGC was founded. In Daniel's defense, he is being whiny, but the whole point of them was to go visit other planets and learn as much as they could. I agree with Jack in the scenario. I agree with Daniel overall, you know, saying, hey, we're not only here to find Apophis. Yes, we also are are here to study the the stuff we come across, right? That's a a big part of the, the SG program is studying and trying to learn from this. But, I I mean, it essentially resolves itself in the very next scene where we're back in the briefing room. Daniel is... uh, Yeah, he's protesting the decision. And then General Hammond's trying to be like, no, you won the argument, bro. He's like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? He's like, no, you're right. We are, in fact, supposed to study the people and their culture. So we are going to go back. (laughs) We are going to study them. And they talk about the where the episode gets its name. Uh, Daniel is, is making a point that this is the perfect chance to study the Broca Divide, which, according to what Sam says, refers to the differences in intelligence between uh, species of mankind. So uh, the difference in intelligence between Neanderthals and, and modern Homo sapiens. He makes that point. And Hammond's like, yeah, no, totally. I agree. Totally agree. Did you do any research on what the Broca Divide actually is, though? None whatsoever. 
So, according to Wikipedia, I already paid you, Wikipedia. Quit asking me. Uh, the, Broca de, the Broca's area is a region of the frontal lobe of the dominant hemisphere, usually the left of the brain, with functions linked to speech production. Um, this actually has a lot to actually, actually has stuff to do with, like, stuttering. Aphasia. I don't know. I don't know if you knew. Do you know what aphasia is? No, hit me with aphasia. That's when you can't communicate. Like, if I were to say, I left my cat in the oven. But what I actually say is glass taco ring bell. And you'd be like, what'd you say? And then if I tried to write down my cat is in the oven, I would write down tree pen speaker lick. You know, I think I saw an episode of House that went like this once. Yes, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Which is what I was talking about earlier with the symbolism. Because literally the divide between the dark side of the planet and the light side of the planet is a tiny little strip of land. Hmm, excellent. I was not paying attention enough for that to necessarily hit me, I guess. Right on the nose, brother. Damn. Right on the nose. Kind of embarrassed I missed that one. <laughs> they still didn't explain it. I'm going to say that. They still didn't explain. If you're going to, okay, I get it. You're making a symbolic, you know, if the light and the dark is the divide. I get it. I think that's more of a reward for the people who have seen the episode like 30 times and they're just like, I don't know why I'm watching this episode for the 31st time. Oh, crap. Look what I just noticed. I think that's that's really what we're looking at. Yeah. So. Anyway, Sam's explaining about what the, the broken divide is. Apparently, uh, she gave us a very dumbed down version. While Carter's explaining all this, Teal'c and that same Marine are giving each other another look again. That Marine is now like rocking back and forth with uh, a big bug-eyed look on him. We get another like music sting. He's also quite sweaty. Yeah, very sweaty. He's a very, very sweaty man. I'm I'm surprised that no one had noticed him yet. (laughs) Like, (laughs) other than Teal'c, like this guy is literally rocking back and forth with this wide-eyed look, like sweaty, wide-eyed look on his face. And no one said a damn word yet. Yeah. <laughs> Teal'c has a great line here. Please release me, Lieutenant Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, like, I guess that's where I, where I wrote his name. I was like, oh, his name's Lieutenant Johnson. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm as make sure. calmly as someone who could snap your neck with an index finger as thumb would say to someone else who's trying to attack them. Please release me, Lieutenant Johnson. Yeah. Well, because the guy, he just suddenly reaches over takes a hold of Teal'c and starts threatening him, saying that he's going to, you know, rip Teal'c's gould out of his stomach. And then uh, he, he takes a swing at Teal'c. Yeah. How'd that swing work out for him? Teal'c straight up does like the kung fu grab the punch maneuver where he just like reaches up and grabs this guy's fist and like moves it out of the way without even a grimace on his face. And then suddenly like stands up and then pushes the guy's face against the briefing room table. It starts saying that he's like, I do not want to hurt this man. Someone get in here and help him. <laughs> uh, uh, I will say it for the fourth time. Uh, Teal'c is so much better than Worf. <laughs> Teal'c is amazing. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So basically stuff starts going down at this point. The MPs take this guy, uh, Lieutenant Johnson, out of the room. He's just drooling, so Hammond orders him to go to the infirmary. They tell him to strap him down. We immediately cut to a shot of, is it Carter and Jack or Carter and Daniel? It is Daniel. I I guess down in the gate room, and all of a sudden, two Marines start wrestling each other and throw themselves out the window. I got a question, Kill. Hit me. 
what in the fuck are Daniel and Sam doing in the gate room? <laughs> Nothing. You know why they're, they're in there the for gate that room? Shot. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I have written down here. That literally just a reason to get a shot of two people falling through glass. Like, yeah. the only reason they, why they were just there exists. for the gag. That's that's the only reason. <laughs> Great, I love it. I love it. And, but it doesn't stop there. Things still start to get real weird. You know, after the guys had fallen out of the window, of course, Sam uh, and Daniel ran over there to help them. And then uh, things things come completely off the rails <laughs> because Sam then comes into the locker room where Jack is now changing, I guess, having just taken a, a an after uh, mission shower. And Sam is wearing teeniest, tiniest thinnest, most see-through little tank top, I guess military-issued tank top (laughs) that I I think I've ever seen. And then just starts um, kissing Jack very aggressively. Yeah, this is just another scene where we get a really good look at Sam's breasts. Just really, for whatever reason, the creators of the show are like, look at these breasts. (laughs) Yeah. What happens next, Kel? Jack, of course, being the uh, the gentleman that he is, is basically wrestling Carter off of him and takes her down to the infirmary as well. Uh, and they get Sam strapped down to a bed. And then for the first time, I believe this season, we see Dr. Frazier. This is her appearance. Old Terrell Rothery. Rothery? Rothery. I think it's Rothery. Terrell Rothery? Rothery. Rothery. Tara Rothery. So I'm a big fan of Doc Frazier. Um, We're going to be seeing a lot of her in the coming seasons. Doc Frazier's there and she takes Jack to some basically improvised gel cells that they've cooked up and explains that all these um, Marines from the SG teams are turning into cavemen, like the people that they found back on the planet. What's really funny is Carter's like, or not Carter, I'm sorry. Doc Frazier is essentially like, well, the reason why Carter chose you is because you would probably bear her the best children. <laughs> He's like, you should take it. She said you should take it as a compliment. Yeah, Jack just kind of like, eh, okay, cool. The whole time during this scene, uh, we've seen Jack. He's been like just like itching and scratching a lot. Yeah. So you know something's coming up. But we cut to him and Daniel talking. You know, Jack explains what's going on with Carter. And Daniel, he describes the scenario in which it happened. And Daniel's reaction is, oh, you poor man. <laughs> Come on, man. This is this is serious. <laughs> but then he says he's going to go check on Carter, though. Jack loses it he's like why do you want to check on carter he's like well because i care for her and then jack just attacks daniel at that point just starts going uh bananas or or going a little caveman if you will on him no one gets in between jack o'neill and his woman nobody nobody and so back in the infirmary we got doc frazier again who basically says she's figured out that there is some sort of virus that is causing all of this it's causing the primitive parts of the brain to shut down while simultaneously uh stimulating the more dormant primitive parts of the brain she calls it a parasitic virus and then um teal and daniel for some reason are not affected she pulled blood from them and they seem to not have any sort of um disease in them or whatever i'm sorry parasitic virus she calls teal mr teal which... <laughs> and, and yeah there's kind of an interesting moment there with daniel where he's like no, no it's just teal i mean i get it like as far as we're aware it's the first time she's ever met the guy so she's trying to be as respectful as possible right so it's it's a little bit of an asshole move on uh on daniel's part like coming in with the, the correction you know like no 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 it's just teal his friends Call him Teal. 
and uh, Hammond essentially seals off the mountain after being like, are you telling me we brought a new plague to this planet? Like, like yeah. it was never in the cards. Yeah. Basically, Fraser explains all this to Hammond and he just go, he just freaks out because he thinks, you know, an, introduced a new plague on Earth and orders the base completely locked down. Like, does this guy not know anything about history? You go places where there's new people and everyone gets sick. Yeah, was there not already, like, some sort of protocol for this? Like, you know, you would think we're exploring alien new worlds. There's probably going to be alien new viruses. These people have been evolving completely separately from humanity for thousands and thousands of years at this point. Thanks, George. Thanks. We come back from commercial, and we basically cut to a scene of uh, Richard Dean Anderson just screeching like a dinosaur over and over. (laughs) He does. He he does like a weird bird thing. He like, does. I'm, he's, he's, I don't know what, uh, RDA's, uh, motivation in this scene was exactly. Again, all we've seen at this part is like cavemen, but he's screeching, running around like, like a dinosaur. It's hilarious. And I have no idea why he chose to go that route with the character. Have you ever seen that video of Jack Nicholson, like getting ready for that scene in the shining? No. Do you know the one? Okay. Yeah, you should, on YouTube, you should go look up The Shining, Jack Nicholson behind the scenes or something like that. And you'll find a a video of him right before he like puts the ax through the door. You know, here's Johnny. He's just hyping himself up so much like on camera while everyone's getting the scene ready. Okay. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) So do you think that was (laughs) Except Richard Dean Anderson was standing there and they were like, pretend (laughs) to be an ostrich. And he's just like, okay. <laughs> so this is just Richard Dean Anderson just like really going for it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Top I, billing. Yeah, it, it was it was incredible. Uh, he does a wonderful job. I don't even know what they talk about in that scene because it's just him screeching like a dinosaur. Uh, but then we cut to old Papa Hammond, and he is on the red phone. Yeah. He is uh, presumably on the phone with the president explaining what's going on, that he thinks that they need another armored division to surround the base. It's kind of a second line of defense and says, yeah, if anyone tries to leave this base, shoot on sight, (laughs) which I was like, all right, we're really taking this serious. (laughs) This episode aired August 15th, 1997. Do you know who the president of the United States was in August of 1997? Uh, Was it Clinton? It was Bill Clinton. And I think he was in the midst of a scandal. Oh, was this when the whole Monica Lewinsky stuff was going on? I maybe I could be wrong. No, I think that was later on. But, oh, I mean, can you imagine like <laughs> having to go to like speak before Congress and like right before you leave some aides like, um, Bill, I need you to talk to George Hammond. And he's like, who's George Hammond? And then it's like, well, uh... <laughs> And then, like, right before he goes in before Congress, he's got to talk to some dude about shooting and burning the bodies of anyone who leaves a mountain. <laughs> Imagine that. So, uh, back in the infirmary, Frazier is there with Tilk and Daniel, and she has confirmed to this point that they don't have the organisms in their blood, uh, but she still doesn't know why yet. I mean, I think it was... At this point, everyone has also realized that Frazier seems to be okay, too, and she's been around literally all of these people. Yep, true. Teal'c thinks that uh, maybe they need to go back to P3X797. This is why we need planet names. <laughs> he thinks they need to go back there and ask the untouched what they know about what's going on. 
So Hammond's like, yep, do it. <laughs> and immediately, immediately sends Daniel and Tilk back through the gate. On the other side, they find the that same woman from the beginning, M- Melosia. Was that her name? Melosia? Melosia? I think you're right. Melosia. They find her uh, just kind of laying on the side of the road near the gate. Daniel wants to help her, of course, but Tilk says, uh, no, we need to leave her. We need to continue on our, mis- our mission right now. But then all of a sudden, before they can go anywhere, the rest of the cavemen show up. This seems like it was maybe some sort of a trap. Yeah, it's an ambush. It was a little bit of a caveman ambush. Classic bait and snatch. Snatch and grab? <laughs> so Teal just starts popping off rounds like we do in the SG universe. Shoots the gun up into the air a bunch of times to scare them off. Tells Daniel to do the same thing, but Daniel suddenly gets taken away. Tilk leans down and finds Daniel's glasses on the ground. He picks him up. Now Tilk is basically on his own. No Daniel. Daniel's gone. Daniel just couldn't get his gun up in the air and fire it fast enough to scare off the cavemen. So now Tilk's got to deal with that bullshit. Yeah, he had to rescue that poor girl, the bait girl. <laughs> so back at the SGC, Frazier is now placing Hammond into the same <laughs> cell as Jack because obviously he has now been infected by the virus as well. Yeah, do you watch this show with subtitles on? Sometimes, I don't know, it depends. I, I didn't do so when I watched this one. I guess I had never watched it with subtitles on, and for the first time watching this episode i actually was able to understand what the hell jack said oh you know what yeah good point and i really should have turned on i just assumed he was just unintelligible but uh, i guess subtitles would have been nice during this scene because fraser is trying to talk to jack jack's like a lot cooler now he's not screeching like a dinosaur which is an improvement overall i think in the situation for everyone including us the audience yeah he he says good luck doc and she like turns around and is like What'd you say to me? She comes into the cell to to drop off Hammond. And I guess we find out at this point that she's been drugging them. <laughs> she's been yeah. giving them a lot of sedatives to try to keep them from hurting each other and themselves, especially now that she has to, you know, double room some folks. Yeah. And Jack's like, hey, essentially give me more sedatives. The doc doesn't want to, but she gives in like any good doctor, I guess. <laughs> like, I, I feel like she's like, no, you've she said you've already reached the maximum. Give me the drugs, Doc. All I right, a little them. bit more. Here you go. <laughs> I need it. Come on, Doc. We got an opioid prop an opioid problem in this country. We need we need to maybe cut back on this a little bit. I, I, I get it. Doc Frazier seems like the kind of doctor who would just straight up prescribe you some dank. <laughs> she, she absolutely would. <laughs> Was Doc she just Frazier, like Doc Frazier is a hundred percent down and a hundred percent would give you that green card. In twenty nineteen if this scene had happened again, she would just pull out a vaporizer and like. <laughs> and oh. just like hook up Jack as he starts dabbing. I'm just saying. Uh, but no, she she pumps him full of more drugs. <laughs> and she I basically all of a sudden comes to realize that the sedation is may, is uh, possibly keeping back the part of the virus that keeps the higher brain functions down yep. because she's finding out she's basically able to communicate with Jack at this point. He, he more or less knows what's going on. Uh, she says that, that the sedation seems to knock back the primitive mind. So Jack's communicating with her and uh, I guess he asks if this is a dream Yeah. because wow, Hey, what a question. <laughs> hey, all of this really sucks. I- am I dreaming? No, nope. no, you're not. Damn. Double damn. 
Frazier just immediately starts explaining uh, the whole thing about the parasitic virus and all about what's going on. And Jack's just giving her this look like, I have no idea what you're saying, but sure. Sure. Like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. But Jack's like, okay, uh, experiment on me. I want I want you to experiment on me to figure out, you know, what's going on. She's like, well, I can't do that yet. We leave and we're back on P3X797 with Teal. And he is back in the city. I had it in the note that time. So that is the only reason I was able to hit that one. Teal'c is back in the city by himself. He asks the untouched for help finding Daniel, but they are just not. Nah, nope. We are not going near that with the 10 foot pole. No, thank you. Bye. Yeah, I have your nah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a straight up nah. I do have to point out that the gentleman in this scene is wearing a beautiful V-neck crop top. Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually did notice that. He is dripping in some swag, too. He is swag drip supreme. Uh, What a look. What a fantastic look that man is rocking in this scene. I think he's also like, he's got a bare midriff. He does. Yeah, no, totally bare midriff, uh, hairy tummy and all. And it is absolutely wonderful. He's just living his truth, man. He is. He's standing in it in in a very big way. and And I'm a fan. Teal'c's like, okay, well, if you're not going to help me, then I need a sample of your blood so we can figure out what's going on. They are straight up, again, nah. They will not provide him a sample of their blood and then immediately kick Teal'c out of the city. (laughs) Well, I think, what does this lady say? Like, I can't stand this one's, like, I can't stand this one in my presence any further. Like, (laughs) I have a name, lady. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, You don't have a name. Sometime You don't have a name. No one's heard your name yet this episode. (laughs) So, so Teal is like, well, um, still need a sample of this blood. <laughs> and so as he's walking out of the city, we see these two guards that have been standing there doing the stereotypical, like guarding, uh, holding the spears kind of, uh, across each other over the doorway. You know, we're guarding the door, but we're really, we're just standing here for something to look at. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing the British royal guard thing where all they right. do is just stand around and so as Tilk's walking by he just straight up sucker punches one of the dudes <laughs> <laughs> it was like i'm gonna get this blood sorry bro yeah i gotta and, do this yeah so he takes out both the guards and then uh, jabs a needle into one of them and takes this blood by force which i thought was a little <laughs> aggressive but okay yeah. it, it got the, it got the job done we get a quick shot now of daniel uh who is waking up in the caveman camp and we see him like quickly try to scurry away uh, and then just get his ass kicked for his troubles. <laughs> he just gets beaten. Just savagely beaten. He really does. They're kicking yeah. the shit out of him. Yeah, that'll teach you to run away and hang out with us, guy. <laughs> but that's that's all we see of Daniel. And, and then Teal'c heads back to Earth. No, Daniel, I got to get this blood sample. got to finish the mission. Uh, so he gets the blood sample back to Dr. Frazier. Frazier, of course, examines everything, and then she is able to figure out that the virus essentially, this is the best part. This is, mm, I love this part of the episode. (laughs) Frazier figures out that the virus actually feeds on histamines in the body. Those things, I guess, that give us allergies, uh, that give us stuffy nose and uh, a runny nose and all the various shitty things that allergies do and are awesome to live with every single day. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, histamine is an organic hmm, nitrogenous compound involved in local immune responses as well as regulating physiological function in the gut and acting as a neurotransmitter for the brain, spinal cord, and uterus. They also make you sneezy sometimes. (laughs) 
I'm but sorry. anyway, so Frazier believes that the virus seem that those without the virus seem to have very low amount of histamines in their body. Daniel, of course, and Doc Frazier, we find out, both haven't contracted the virus yet because they take strong antihistamine medicine every day for their allergies. Yeah. So, I mean, Doc Frazier takes the Claritin a day, doesn't get sick. <laughs> yeah. Keeps the, the Claritin today keeps the blood bugs away. Yeah, just inject it directly into my veins because... Well, yeah. <laughs> so, because Doc explains to uh, to Jack, I guess, I, I don't, like, I feel like the writers are like, all right, so we need some way to explain what Dr. Frazier is talking to. We've basically got everyone locked in cells at this point. Who the fuck is she speaking with? Yeah, I think, like, because Jack's real chill. Do you think she came back with that good good? She might have. She might have been going back for another, uh, yeah, to give him another hit uh, yeah. on that, on the, <laughs> and like, uh, to give him another hit on the vape, uh, so yeah, to speak, and keep she him She goes sedated. in there, and Teal'c is in there, and, and she's like, oh, well, never mind. <laughs> she doesn't know if Teal'c's down. He's Mr. Teal'c, you know? Yeah. He's too straight-laced. Frazier explains the whole thing to Jack. You know, she believes that the histamine's causing the problem and that basically she wants to pump him full of a super high dose of antihistamines, but is like, hey, it's probably going to fuck you up a little bit. <laughs> and Jack's just like, yep, sounds good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Do it. And so she does. And Jack immediately passes out. This is one hell of a allergy relief medication. <laughs> I want the one that just completely and utterly literally makes me pass out when I take it. <laughs> Like they give it to him and then he does like a little, whoa, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, when you're out hanging out with your friends and you're drinking and then you see that person who's going a little too far and they do the, whoa, and they wobble just a little bit. And then Teal's like, all right, it's time to put Jack down. Yeah. <laughs> put him to bed. Uh, to yeah. So deeps. Jack passes out, but then we cut to, I, I don't know how long later, uh, if it was a couple minutes, a couple hours, but uh, Jack wakes up and is now all better. He's banging on the cell door saying, hey, let me out. I'm I'm good. <laughs> and Teal yeah. is like, are you sure? Yeah, because he drops a I love Lucy reference. <laughs> he does. He, 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 he told, to he drops an alien. Yeah, to a guy that has literally no context. <laughs> He's like, how do I know you're yourself? You just called me Lucy. <laughs> but uh, Jack oh, is, in fact, better. We cut to the gate spinning up, and Hammond is now apparently doing better, too. We see, you know, the very respectful general back to work grabbing the, the cuffs of his shirt and jacket. We get that close up. And everyone kind of looking up to him, but he is back in control. Seems like everyone on this side of the gate, at least, is back to normal pretty much at this point. Yeah, he's he's suited back up in full uniform. Immediately. Yeah. Never a chance. Any chance that Hammond can be in full uniform with the the jacket and hat on, they will take it. Yeah, just to prove a point, he's like, I'm going to look good. And you guys know it. So as the gate's spinning up, uh, we got Frazier passing out weapons. <laughs> I guess it's yeah. because they're Trank darts. Um, she's passing out, or, or Trank guns. She's passing out Trank guns to the SG team because they are gearing up to head back to the planet. These are just kind of paintball guns. I know they're shooting Trank darts or whatever, but I mean, these are essentially just paint gu- paintball guns from the 90s. Yeah. So the uh, the SG team heads back over to the planet and uh, immediately starts popping off uh, shots of Benadryl on the caveman as they pass out. 
they roll up to a campsite and Daniel apparently has become king. Of the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Daniel is, is full on infected with the virus now as well. He is in full caveman status. He's got himself a lady who was Melosha. From yeah, before. it seems he has taken Melosha as his mate now as well. And then Jack gets him with a good one. He's like, Daniel, you dog. If we keep this up, you're going to have a girl on every planet. <laughs> Daniel does really need to chill it. Just yeah, he's married. he's Calm married. Down. Come on, man. You're married. But he sees the team coming. He makes a run for Carter as she's trying to very kind of humanely and gently give him the shot instead of hitting him with the trank dart. But as he makes a dash for her, the team just hits him with two tranks and puts yeah. him down. They just gun him. Gun him straight down. They take out uh, Melogia as well. And then uh, we cut to the SG team walking back into the city, carrying Dan- uh, Teal'c is actually carrying Daniel across his shoulders. Um, and the team is explaining to the untouched that they have found a cure to this awful shitty thing. They don't believe him at first. And he's like, no, we're going to prove it to you. So they put Daniel over in, I guess, some sort of isolation circle. I don't, it just looks like a concrete slab. So. Well, it's between two bulls and the bulls are their symbol of their, you know, kind of religion. So. Oh, I always miss the religious bits. That's probably for the best. Um, uh. <laughs> but anyway, so we, we cut to some little bit of time later and Daniel has woken up. He is He's awake and talking to the team and he is all back to normal. Teal goes over and hands him his glasses back, which I thought was a very sweet little touch. The untouched are like, oh, oh okay, so you guys are real. You really did find find a, a solution to this problem. And so they take the untouched with them back over to the dark side of the divide. And we see a bunch of the touched that are now seemingly healed, stumbling out of the woods. They, they have been untouched. Then we hit our outro scene. We got uh, Sam goes up to Jack at the end. You know, everyone's happy. Okay. The untouched uh, and the touched are, you know, no longer a thing. Everyone's good and healed and, and uh, back to normal. And so Sam's got to do that thing where she apologizes for her behavior while she was sick when she tried to come on to Jack. Jack, <laughs> Jack plays this uh, in a real interesting way. I mean, he's like, oh, I don't even remember it. I, I have no idea what you're even talking about. But then asks about a stab wound that Samantha got while she was in isolation with her roommate. Her roommate had apparently stabbed her at one point during, the, during that part. He asked because he was concerned, and, and Carter asks why, and he responds, because you wouldn't be able to wear that tank top again. Yeah, she's just like, what? what? Oh, damn. You, you got, got him. You got him, Jack. Let me ask you a question, Kel. <laughs> yeah, man. Did you like this episode? Eh. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Yes and no. There are definitely things I liked about this episode. I, I'm going to come on. I'm going to go ahead and admit that this um, uh, this one didn't really thrill me. I didn't think it was bad necessarily, but uh, we did get a lot of you know exposition and lore in this particular thing. But we didn't get much of the Apophis storyline in this one, honestly. Uh, other than you know we came to find him, he wasn't here, and then we got wrapped up in this whole other thing, and then spent the entire rest of the episode on it. But I don't know. There was also some things in this episode that I didn't care for. They didn't have to do the whole caveman rape scene. That one was a little rough. (laughs) In fact, even the way they kind of played out the Samantha uh, seducing Jack in the the locker room scene was kind of a little bit weird in some ways. Yeah, I I agree with you. This episode is kind of meh. They were they were quite uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, They were quite gracious in the fact that it 
like we talked about earlier, it flew by. Like, it really did. It really did. Like, we were... This episode's already going to be a longer one, but there was just a lot to talk about because there was a lot going on. There was very little filler, it seemed, in places. It was was mostly very much them going through the storyline. And just thankfully... If you're going to have a meh episode, it should be at least be over quickly. Yeah. I did have one really funny scene. Which one was that? If you scrub all the way to 40 minutes and 45 seconds, let me know when you get there. All right. I'm there. If you just play this without any volume, is this what I used to look like waking up from a hangover? (laughs) Very similar, yes. From like 2005 (laughs) to like 2010. (laughs) So if you're not watching on uh, on Amazon Prime with us at this point, it's just Daniel waking up from being a caveman back in the, the, the city of the untouched. And he does. He looks like he has the absolute worst hangover that anyone has ever. This is maybe not dissimilar to you the night after your bachelor party. <laughs> like... Who's shit in this guy's mouth? That's what it looks like to me. He <laughs> just looks awful. He does, but he was up. But yeah, I don't know. Again, this was an okay episode. It wasn't. It wasn't bad, but um, it just it didn't it didn't wow me. You know, there was no really cool special effects really at any point. I thought the whole premise of uh, some virus that turns you into a caveman was kind of weird. There's a couple of these where someone brings something back that they shouldn't have brought back. Oh, yeah, definitely. We definitely get several of these, but I don't know. This one, this one wasn't it for me. Yeah. I mean, in this case, it's a virus, but, you know, in other episodes, it's an object, you know, it's just, it's, it's just super cliche. And uh, if people are out there listening or watching the show for the first time, just let this one go. Like, just (laughs) accept the fact that there was a bad ep. Yeah, there was, it was a bad ep and that's okay because they do get good. Yeah, just be- uh, there's a reason we got 10 seasons of this thing. <laughs> so, yeah, just just don't give up just yet. So I'm definitely looking forward to the next episode, and uh, which at this point I have no idea what it's about. Well, we'll talk about that in just a second. Yeah, this episode had um, – this episode was so blah. It didn't have any, like, good cameos or, like, guest right. stars. It didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't – I don't know. It was almost kind of a, a very much just a, the main cast. Uh, I mean, we had the caveman and the untouched, but the untouched was essentially two people yeah. that actually played the untouched um, that we saw other than the guards and then the cavemen, but none of them talked. So if there was a cameo there, no one cares or knows. The most famous person in the show besides the main cast was Ladora, who's the lady who kicked out Teal'c, her actress name, her well, I guess her stage name is Nicole Oliver and she's been in a lot of stuff. She has voice acted in a bunch of blizzard games. So that's kind oh, of interesting. All right. Neat. She was also in my little pony. She's a pretty big voice actor and real actor or live actor. What do you call that? Live Movie action actor? actor. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how it works. <laughs> uh, the next episode. What is the next step? Oh, the next episode is the first commandment. O'Neill and the SG-1 team are sent to investigate the disappearance of SG-9, only to discover that Captain Jonas Hansen is ruling the planet like a vengeful god. So wait, now we got SG-9? We just went from SG-3 to SG-9? Yeah. Oh, man. All right, well, yeah. So uh, so I guess uh, a member of the SG teams takes a card from the Gould's book, and uh, we're going to get to see how that plays out. 
Yeah, maybe they only just divide. They multiply by three because we went after the failure of two, so they went from one to three to nine. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. I'm looking forward to it. That'll be the next episode, and I guess the huge stuff. Like, comment, subscribe, ratings, five stars, five stars. Give us some comments, positive or negative. We want to hear them. I mean, but if if they're negative, I'm I'm gonna cry. <laughs> Don't so, don't make my boy cry. I don't. Like don't it. make me cry, guys. He cried. He cried at my wedding. That was it. I'm a real ugly crier. I think you also cried at your wedding. I can't be sure. No, oh, definitely. I no, I, I definitely did. I can confirm. I was, I was there. I saw it. <laughs> What's our email, Kel? Chris, what is our email? It's podcast sgfun at gmail Send me an email. Yeah, hit us up. Let us know what you think. Let us know what your favorite episodes are. Uh, which ones you're looking forward to uh, to us watching uh, as we go through this podcast. You hit me up on the Twitter. I am at Podcast SG Fun. All right. Well, cool, man. Well, uh, good episode and for a bad episode, but, you know, I'm looking forward to the next one. Me too. Tune in again for another thrilling episode of Podcast SG Fun. Thrilling? Is that what we're going with? All right. Look, look man, this is all fluid. It's just, we're just letting it go. <laughs> just like that episode, just let that one go. Just let me do my thing. Okay. Uh, just throwing pot against the wall to see what sticks. All right. <laughs> Hoping, hoping it's the good stuff. So, all right, man. Catch you later. Bye.